I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on the third anniversary of Chink's murder. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Lisa Evers. And you can catch up on all of our Street Soldiers episodes, both Hot 97 Radio and Fox 5 TV, free of charge on lisaevers.com. Now, unbelievable, but it has been three years since rising hip-hop star Chinks was gunned down on a Queen Street. In the last year, a lot of progress has been made in the fight for justice. Chinks' wife, Janelli, pledged from day one that she would not let his music and achievements be forgotten and that she would do whatever was necessary to make sure those who took his life paid for the crime. Over the last three years, Janelli has raised her three children as a single mom, worked with police detectives on the case, made more of Chink's music and legacy available to his fans, pursued her own education, she's finishing up college right now, started her own business, and has worked to support the family. Let's find out how she's doing and where things stand with the case with Janelli and our panel. Joining me is Somia Krishnamurthy, she's a music journalist. Somia, great to have you. Great to be here. Also with us is Janelli Caceres Pickens. She's Chink's wife, mother of the three children, owner of her catering business called Nellie's Kitchen, and she's pursuing her college degree, which she should have uh, very soon. Janelli, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us is Lieutenant Richard Rudolph. He's the commanding officer of Queen South Homicide in the NYPD. He led the team that cracked the case. Janelli, let me start with you on this. How are you and the kids doing right now? Um, we're doing well. You know, around this time is always hard. So, you know, this week has been a little rough for them. Um, tomorrow we'll just be together as a family and we'll step out for a little while just to, you know, gather with the fans and everybody at the store. But for the most part, we're doing great. In terms of how it's been raising the kids as a single mom and still supporting them and still doing all the promotion work and still having that constant pressure of following the case and, and working with the, you know, with the police and with the DA and everybody, what has that been like? Give us a sense of what your life has been like because just two of those things yeah. sound exhausting. <laughs> it is. It is. It's overwhelming sometimes, um, especially with school and the business and then having three kids on top of that who all are in different age ranges so they're all over the place and having to keep up with everything and then still maintain some form of social life and still be able to you know do things for myself it's hard it's hard sometimes I, I go crazy I want to pull my hair out but I can't so <laughs> I you, you've, you've just you've kept it together in an amazing way I think yes. that's been an example for a lot of people and I know from day one I said it to you and I say it every time it's just you've handled the situation where there was so much pressure there was a lot going on on social media a lot yeah. of just you know negativity as well too and you just handled it in the public spotlight with with tremendous dignity so i think thank that's you. been an example for for a lot of us thank you so so that it's good to hear and the kids are doing well yes they are all right they're, they're getting well so i mean give everybody a, a, a perspective for those people who are are new to hip-hop or new to the show just where chinks was musically and why this case is and his his music is especially and his life story has just resonated so strongly with so many people so Chinks was very much an instrumental part of New York hip hop and anyone who's followed the rise of French Montana and the Coke Boys knows who Chinks is. And he was very much known for his, um, for the Coke Boys tapes and his 2012 breakout, I'm a Coke Boy, which you hear still to this day on the radio or at concerts, at clubs. So he was really on the precipice of having his big debut. Um, Welcome to JFK was right around the corner at the time of his passing. But those of us who have followed New York rap 
know people like Stack Bundles and Max B, French Montana, Harry Fraud. We know the name Tranks. And I think his death really affected New York hip hop and hip hop as a whole. I mean, anytime we lose someone, especially a promising rising star, it really affects the culture. And affects a lot of people. Lieutenant Rudolph, there were a lot of people in the very beginning that said, this is never going to be solved. This is a case of another hip hop artist. It's just going to be, you know, another unsolved mystery. What made you so determined to try to try to make arrests in this case? Well, anytime somebody is killed in Queens, we are going to follow any leads to, to the absolute end. It doesn't matter uh, if he's a rap star or he's a drug dealer or domestic violence. Any murder that uh, is committed in, in uh, Queens, we're going to hunt it down. And you looked into you looked into Ching's past. You investigated this. Did you get a lot of cooperation from people, or, or how did give us a general sense of what kind of challenges you faced? Well, our first help was from Janelle. She was a rock through this whole thing. I mean, uh, she probably we only met uh, a couple of times in the beginning. She probably doesn't remember. She dealt mm -hmm. mostly with my detectives, uh, Scalisi and Santangelo. Um, and then one of the key pieces of evidence was uh, Chinks's cell phone, and I thought that you brought that to us, right? So that pretty much started. So if we don't have any witnesses to our crime, although there was another person in the car that was shot, um, he wasn't uh, able to identify the shooter. So if we don't have any witnesses and we didn't have any uh, video of the incident, we're up against it. So now we have to start with our victim, and our victim is actually going to be the one that's going to help us solve this case. So I didn't know that Chinks even existed on the face of this earth. Um, I didn't know that he was a, a big rap star or anything. So the more that we dug into it, the more we learned about it and his, and, uh, his relationships. So there was a lot of link analysis and um, basically uh, cell phone data that we use. And then when you say no video, this was a lot of things people couldn't understand why. Because initially we were there, you know, we were there that first mor that morning at the scene. And a lot of people thought it happened at the Dunkin' Donuts on Queens Boulevard at the corner there. And that it was a drive-by shooting. And why isn't there a ton of video? That's not accurate because you showed us it happened someplace Correct. down the street. Correct. So it happened actually on Main Street and Queens Boulevard. There was a lot of construction going on at that time. It's above the Van Wick, so they were doing a lot of construction with uh, the subway station and the highway above it, so there wasn't a lot of security video over there. Um, typically, these days, uh, we have video in almost every location we could possibly get to. Right. We just didn't have it. Where his car parked, that's where it ended up at. All right. In terms of, Janelle, in terms of, you know, when it first started, you told me that f that first morning at Hot 97 when you came to the show and you said, I, I'm going to find out who was responsible. I'm going to find out who did this. I'm never going to give this up. And and I am going to cooperate with police. And a lot of people at that time, especially coming on the heels of some some rough incidents that happened in the with police, people were going, wait a minute, she's really going to do that. Why did you, what made you so certain that that was the route to go? Um... For me, it was just more so about justice. I, I just feel like he deserves that. Um, you know, we as a family deserve that, to know who was responsible and to make sure that the whole situation is handled accordingly. Um, for me, a big part of my job was just staying in contact with the detectives that was on the case. And, of course, you constantly kept it on a platform for us as far as the streets go to make sure that nobody... Didn't feel like we brushed it under the rug. Um, it, the, the main important thing was to let the public know that we are staying on top of it and we are going to keep it in the public eye until the day that this is finally over. 
And and so me tell, talk with us about the hip hop code of silence because that was one thing I that I'm I'm quite sure detectives came up against was you know nobody everybody knows something but nobody says anything and nobody you know nobody nobody all of a sudden knows anything. Tell me about that. Why is that because of the code of the streets? I think there's definitely a part of that um, and just this kind of no snitching mentality, right? That even if you know something you just don't speak about it. And sometimes that can be because of self-implication, that if you say something, then someone can kind of go through your, the skeletons in your closet and point the finger as well. Um, and again, I feel like by and large, no one's hands are totally clean. So people just kind of have a very hands-off approach. And I think the other part of it is in hip hop, we're somewhat jaded, right? After Big died, Pac, Big L, Jam Master J, we're used to unsolved crime. So the idea that one of our own the crime could be solved is crazy and it's pretty unrealistic to see that happen so I think a lot of people are just jaded by the system um, to see a conclusion to this case is actually very heartening because we're not used to it to see some progress all right this is Street Soldiers I'm your host Lisa Evers we'll be back right after this yo what up this is Clarity and you're listening to Street Soldiers with the one and only Lisa Evers on Hot 97 you dig welcome back to Street Soldiers I'm your host Lisa Evers in this episode we're talking about the life and legacy of chinks and also the investigation into his murder joining us for this conversation music journalist Somia Krishnamurthy Somia great to have you with us again. Great to be here. Thank you. Also with us is Janelle Caceres Pickens. She is Chink's wife and mother of their three children. She owns her own business called Nellie's Kitchen. She's receiving her college degree very shortly and doing many other things. Janelle, great to have you with us. Thank you for Thank you me. so much. Also with us is Lieutenant Richard Rudolph. He's a commanding officer of Queen South Homicide in the NYPD. He led the team that cracked the case and arrested two suspects for the murder of Chinks. Lieutenant Rudolph, one of the questions that we keep getting is, how do you guys know that these are the right people? Because this was an investigation that went on for what, like two years, more yeah. than? Give us a sense of, of what, what you had to do and why you, why you think the NYPD believes these were the suspects responsible and arrested them. Well, to, throughout the two-year investigation, I mean, uh, we did incredible amounts, detectives did incredible amounts of investigative work, and we traveled to probably half a dozen states tracking down leads. Uh, any kind of lead that came up, even how far-fetched it might have seemed, we followed up on it. Uh, a lot of it worked on, like I said, uh, link analysis and cell phone data research that we did. So and, and let me just add, stop you right there. So what do you mean, what is link analysis? Link analysis is, um, you know, uh, so if we don't have any witnesses, we're going to start with the victim. So the victim is actually going to help us out. So who is linked into the victim? So it would be friends, relatives, um, co-workers, uh, business associates. So we had to track down basically uh, as many people as we could that were related to Chinks in some way. So you're going through all of these, all of these records, checking into all of these people, and what did you guys find? Well, essentially, um, you know, we went back from the time he was shot, and we worked all the way backwards. Um, so we tracked them down to uh, an event that he went out to in a club in Brooklyn um, that was on Instagram so the, the whole world knew that Chinks was going to be there. So that these two guys knew that he was going to be there, had some kind of beef going on, and it was uh, for a few years now. And essentially, they hunted him down. And they followed him to Queens. Um, and uh, they tried to get into another um, a location, and that place was closed. So uh, Chinks and, and one of his friends and his uh, security team, they split. And Chinks was on his way home, 
Um, and when they got to uh, the main street, he got stuck at a light, and that's when he was ambushed. And then these two individuals, the, the, the theory that you have that you told us in the, in the past, the, that this, the main, one of the main, uh, one of the two suspects that's, that's currently facing murder charges, mm -hmm. Quincy Homer, that he had a beef with chinks that went back to Rikers Island? We do. We believe in 2009 they had some kind of physical altercation at Rikers Island. And um, so it carried on since then. And it, it uh, came to a hilt, I believe, in April of uh, 2015, a month before he was killed. Um, they were at a concert in Philadelphia. And I think they had some kind of uh, words on stage. And uh, that's when uh, Quincy really uh, amped up his uh, mission to get back at Chinks. So this wasn't a question of like, words are exchanged and gunfire, you know, they, he goes to find, the shooter allegedly goes to find the person. This was something that had been building, building up and that was very deliberate. No, this, this was very planned out. And uh, it was very sophisticated, as we'll learn as the court uh, proceeds through trial. Um, they, they went out of their way to find out where Chinks was going to be that night, and they stalked him and hunted him and uh, followed him all the way from Brooklyn to Queens. Janelle, this has got to be hard for you to, to hear this every sorry. single time. I'm, I'm sorry that you have to hear it, but I'm, I appreciate you being here with us. To, you. What, when, you hear, when you hear these things, what kind of goes through? <clears throat> through you want to share that with us? Yeah, it's hard, you know. Um, it's like no matter how much time passes, you constantly have to relive those images. Um, you know, just reliving that day all over again and getting those phone calls, it's, it, it, it's a lot, you know. And it's like no matter how much time passes by, it, it's not something that you can over overcome. It doesn't matter where your life is at, what's going on, when you just think about the tragedy that we had to deal with and the reasoning never being good enough it's it, it's, it's just hard you know this time around this year and birthdays and holidays it's it's always hard sorry no no i'm so, we'll get you some we'll get you some tissue so i i can imagine the um but so even for for people that haven't gone through what you've gone through because again it's just, it's just you know being a news reporter and seeing people how they react in, in these circumstances and seeing how you've handled it and getting to know you and the and the family over the last couple of years it's just like the you, your life moves on, right? Because yeah. you, your business, the kids are growing, they're getting older, they have specific needs emotionally, they need you in a different way than they did when they were little babies. Yeah. And then, you know, your business, your career, your education, still handling his music business and all of those things. And then does, does like the anniversary snap you back and? Yeah, it always does. It always brings you back, you know, especially since we've been dealing with, um, the suspects being caught, you know, having to go to court every month and sit there and face them face to face where they literally just stare at you in your eyes as if they did nothing wrong or they smirk or, you know, it's just like, it's so hard to go through that, like, and have to deal with that every single time court is adjourned for another date. And then you just, you're constantly coming face to face and there's so much you want to do, so much you want to say, but you know that it's not the right thing to do at that time. So you just kind of have to like bottle up all your feelings and hold it in. So it's, 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 an, emo it's an emotional roller coaster. No, and you've handled it amazingly well. Thank you. To come that close to him. Yeah, it's you know, hard. In that courtroom there in Queens is... It's hard. Is, is, is really unbelievable. Somia, do you think, what do you think this, 
the, these arrests have done in terms of how people look at these cases. Plus, also, a lot of those cases were much earlier. You know, they were years ago when there wasn't, you know, there wasn't this sophisticated cell phone uh, data. There wasn't the video surveillance, those type of things. What, what do you think this has done in terms of the, how the culture looks at these cases? I think it's definitely heartening to see that we're moving forward with some alleged suspects and that the judicial system seems to be working in this case. Um, and more than anything, giving his family some solace. And I think it's really about that, right? Because I think at the end of the day, we oftentimes forget behind the artist, there is a wife and children who have to continue and be resilient. So I think just to sort of see this play out publicly and to see the way that not only the justice system has handled it, but also yourself and the family, it's it's amazing. And I think you guys are definitely doing his legacy right. So it's great. Definitely. Keep, and speaking of the legacy, Tell us what's happening. What what is there any new music coming out that hasn't been released yet? You have JFK. Welcome to JFK. Yeah, we've released two albums since his passing. Um, we released uh, two full documentaries since his passing. You know, and we just felt like the music that we have it's it's limited. So we want to hold on to it for as long as we can. So being that we've put two great big projects out, we're kind of just holding off for a little while. We want to be able to still be able to release something two more years from now, five more years from now. So we're being very strategic on how we release what we was left with. I understand. To keep, to keep it going yes. and to have something new along the way. And yes. also, too, now, now the case is going to be picking up steam, apparently, yeah. you know, during the summer and, and getting more involved with that, too. Yeah. So. Timing, everything's timing, exactly. right? All right, this is this is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about chinks, and we'll be right back. Yo, Safari checking in live, and you know that outside is cold weather. Nobody else do it better, and she don't do cheap leather. That's why I'm here rocking with Lisa Evers. Street! Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about the third anniversary of the death of Chinks, his music legacy, and also the investigation into those responsible for allegedly taking his life. Joining me is Somia Krishnamurthy. She's a music journalist. Somia, great to have you with us. Great to be here. Thank you. Also with us is Janelle Caceres Pickens. She's the widow of Chinks and mother of the three children. She is the owner of her own catering business called Nellie's Kitchen, and she is finishing up her college degree. And uh, doing a million other things. Janelle, thank you so much for being with thank us. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. And also with us is Lieutenant Richard Rudolph. He's the commanding officer of Queen South Homicide with the NYPD, and he led the team that cracked the case and made the two arrests. Lieutenant Rudolph, in, in terms of how many different theories did, did you have? Because you have somebody, especially at that point, Chinks was traveling nationally. He was performing around the country. Mm -hmm. He was making a lot of moves with his career. How many different theories did you guys have? Uh, countless. Um, so, like I said, we had to work, work from Chinks' life and, and through link analysis and find out, you know, business associates, uh, places that he's been, and his history. So we followed leads to California, Atlanta, Florida, uh, 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 Maryland, and throughout New York. I mean, it was just, and we pretty much started over probably six or seven times we just scrapped the case and started all over from scratch. And, uh, you know, it's frustrating, uh, obviously, for Janelle and the family, but it's uh, frustrating for my guys also because they work hard and, and you think you have a lead and it turns out to be a dead end. So to start over. And then the, the suspects that are under arrest now, Qu Quincy Homer charged with his murder, Jamar Hill. 
the Qu Quincy had this he's now currently facing charges he's awaiting sentencing on a federal gun charge in connection with a bank robbery on Long Island Correct. where he pleaded guilty to using an AK-47 to hit the bank employee in the head during the course of the robbery so that has to be solved and then the judge said that th this he wants that resolved that sentencing and then this case uh, the Chinks case will move forward. In in terms of in terms of Quincy Homer, he had this was a very personal thing to him. This wasn't about money. This wasn't about this was like like just hate because he hated seeing Chinks Chinks's career doing so well. Right. So uh, it was really through old school detective work, and by me that is uh, following up with uh, uh, different leads and interviewing countless people. A lot of times, like you said before we're getting pushback and they're not going to cooperate with detectives. Some people did cooperate. Maybe they didn't have facts about the case, but they gave us some background information. That's how we found out about uh, the personal relationship between uh, Jamal and, uh, and Chinks. Uh, so he was trying to be an upcoming rap star and uh, I guess there was some jealousy going on. He wasn't as good or, or as famous. Nowhere near as, yeah. Yeah. So I, I couldn't even tell you, but um, <laughs> uh, so I think once they got in that fight and then the incident that happened in Philly, he was, his career was totally pretty much destroyed. So he was kind of at the end of his rope. Correct. In terms of, in terms of the, the career thing. He had like yes. one single out. Meantime, at that point, Chinks' song was being played yes. on Hot 97 all the time. Mm -hmm. It was being played in the clubs and, yeah. and that type of thing. Yeah, so it just, um, I just uh, boiled over till after that Philadelphia incident, that's what we believe, and then uh, set him on this path. That to, kind of uh, set it on this yeah. determined, and he was de determined. <clears throat> so it was a very sophisticated operation that he did. I mean, like I said, we, he hunted him down and ambushed him, and uh, that's the facts that'll play out in court. Janelle, when you were going through all, all, all of these months too, that had to weigh, that was the other thing I was always amazed by. That has to be a pressure too, before these arrests, not knowing who it was, you have a lot of people that came around you, I'm sure, Definitely. afterwards, and not not knowing who could be the who could, who could be the killer. You know, Definitely. is the killer in the crowd out there? Mm -hmm. Is the at the protest? Is it or the memorial? Is the killer in the crowd? You know, at a memorial service or whatever. How did you how did you find the strength to deal with that? Because that that had to be a fear, a real yeah. fear. Um, I just try to stay positive. You know, I didn't want to let the assumptions take control over my everyday life um, because as you know the text said you do hear a lot of different things and people try to steer your mind in so many different directions and if I would have allowed myself to be consumed by the rumors or the allegations um, I would have been around no one I, I would have secluded myself from everybody and I didn't want to live like that I just had faith that the detectives would do their job and find the right person because everybody had a theory, too. Oh, yeah. Like, there were a lot of different theories, and yeah. this person's behind it, and that person's behind it, and that, and that type of thing. Yeah, everybody turns into a detective. Especially <laughs> on social media. Yes. It's like 140 to 280 character detectives at home with yes. theories and ideas, yeah. And people just making comments and yeah. looking at videos, and this could have been this, and this could, yeah. this could have been that. Just digging into people's personal lives and public lives, it just becomes a much bigger thing um, that you have to also face with 
amidst all this tragedy. And so, I mean, give us a sense because the the uh, suspect suspect number one, Quincy Homer, had one song like had one song out that really didn't do anything do 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 too much. Had very few followers. How competitive is it for people, especially, you know, if they ha they have they've had a rough uh, rough history or criminal history, to try to make it in the music business? Like, what extremes would they go to? Like the hater, you know, the haterade, basically what people call it. Yeah, absolutely. Hip hop is extremely competitive. I would say probably the most competitive genre. And I remember interviewing an artist recently who said they really honed their skills behind bars. And there's so much talent in the incarceration system and everyone wants to be a rapper and some of them are super talented. So I think to come out and maybe not be as talented as this person allegedly wanted to be and then to see someone that they have beef with doing really well, of course, they're gonna be a hater, there's gonna be that jealousy. I think what's really sad though is that in hip hop, there's really kind of a place for everyone. And this idea that maybe one single doesn't do well or a certain crew doesn't like you, you know, there's really no notion of being truly blacklisted, at least not nowadays. So I would say to anyone who's an up and coming artist, there may be a million closed doors, but there's always going to be one that opens to you. So kind of don't get discouraged, even though it is hyper competitive, there's a lot of back and forth, feuding, there's still room for everyone. And just because one artist is doing better this week, you could do better next week and I think that would be kind of the big takeaway there's no need to take somebody's life just to have a seat at the table but there's very much that street mentality of oh he got it now I can't get mine absolutely and just also this idea that if you feel you're more talented why are they getting shine certain people co-signing them especially in the case of chinks I mean I remember interviewing him I think around 2013 for the village voice he had just come from a session like French was there Macklemore Travis Scott like he was very much rubbing elbows yeah. with, yeah, important people <clears throat> and soon to be important people. So I yeah. could see someone being very jealous. That's how I feel. I feel like, you know, the fact that they did have a beef that already has stemmed from a couple years ago, and now Chink's Circle is filled with some of the biggest names in the industry. It's like, you know, he I, I kind of feel like maybe he felt like he was blackballing him. Like, you know, like... It, how can I get next to them if you're in that circle already? Right. You know? so, it's like right. mean girls, except yes. with a bunch of men, right? It's, yeah. but it's no, that definitely. Idea that you uh, have only very deadly. These, only they're not. Yeah, and you have all of these friends, and they seem to co-sign you, but I'm struggling. But again, to that person or anyone else, yeah. like, I mean, you have a personal beef on top of that stemming and, and, and boiling in a pot of now you have the rap industry. And then you have a lot of people in your ear instigating and, 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 you know, making it bigger than what it needs to be. And then there's already a personal feud between them two. So there's already a, a form of hatred inside of you for this person. And then, you know, you feel like you have something to prove to the people around you. Or you feel like you have something to prove to yourself that you're going to get what you want and how you want it. It, it, it can this is what it will lead to. It can it can lead to that definitely, and that Lieutenant Rudolph, in, in terms of looking at the personalities, mm -hmm. was this you know, I know you guys use old, you, you say you use really old fashioned detective work like just basically not giving up and looking at everything and everybody. Was there anything different about this because it, because the hip hop element was involved? He did have a, he was around a lot of famous people, right? Especially so, in the in the end. Yeah. So we talk about link analysis. He had a lot of people in his life professionally, personally, so that was a lot of people who had to track down. Did some people have an idea what happened? 
I think they might have that didn't want to cooperate with us. So I believe that. Um, did they have intimate details of it? I don't think so. Um, you know, and we were talking about, uh, you know, the dead ends we keep running into. It's very frustrating for our detectives not being able to give Gianelli updates. Uh, we try to keep in touch with her all the time as possibly can, but it's frustrating for them not to have any new news, good news, or things that we're working on that might not pan out. And so we don't want to build up her hopes either and just to take it away from her. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the guys were very excited uh, when they were able to finally have some uh, some type of closure for her and her, and her children. And uh, unfortunately, I tell all victims of, uh, of murder, uh, the families that are, that are left behind, although we didn't made an arrest, sometimes the worst part is about to happen when we go to trial. It's worse sometimes like that. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll get through this and hopefully these guys will go to jail for the rest of their lives. Yeah, definitely. Well, this is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 9-7. You did. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're focusing on the life and legacy of Chinks and also the investigation into those responsible for allegedly murdering him. Joining me for this conversation, Somia Krishnamur, She's a music journalist. Somia, great to have you. Good to be here. Thank you. Also with us is Janelle Caceres Pickens. She's Chink's widow and mother of their three children. She's also the owner of Nellie's Kitchen, her own catering business. She's pursuing her college degree, which she will have very shortly, and uh, doing an amazing job keeping his legacy alive and, and fighting for justice. Janelle, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate me. it. Also with us is Lieutenant Richard Rudolph, the commanding officer of Queen South Homicide with the NYPD. Um, he led the team that cracked the case after many, many, many months of investigations and going through some dead ends and past some dead ends and, and never giving up. So, Lieutenant Rudolph, mm -hmm. thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Um, so, me, in terms of the violence, so the hip-hop had been for a long time associated with violence, and there was a certain tolerance of violence because it was so tied to the streets. But now it seems like that's changed because of the corporate involvement, because it's social media. If anything's bad, it's, it's bad for business. Is that true? To some extent, I think it's true. Um, I think with certain artists, they just don't have ties to the streets, right? You're seeing artists coming from all over the world. From They really just don't have ties like that. And I think the corporate interests are huge. More eyeballs are watching, so how you move, who you're associated with, that could affect your bottom line. Um, but I think that being said, as long as we do have that connection to the streets, I think it's always going to be there. And you see someone like a Bobby Shmurda who got arrested not too long ago, very young, promising artist from New York. Hottest song in the country at yeah, the time. And at a very young age being incarcerated. So I think that's always going to be a part of it. Um, but I think the days of sort of, okay, you got a three mic review in a magazine and you might get shot up or people going to the studio and you know waving a gun at the DJ you have to play my record I think have sort of curbed a little bit yeah I'm um, just kind of the time we're in but I do think that street element is still a part of it with some artists more than others right def definitely Janelle are, are, are you preparing yourself for the trial mentally or are you trying not to think about mm -hmm. it yet no I am I am um, I think I won't say it gets easier every court day because it definitely doesn't get easier, but I've kind of mentally prepared myself to understand that, you know, we've hit this part of the road, but it can still be a long journey. 
you know, um, this is just, we, we're just going to keep it going. You know, and you made it this far. You made it to a point yeah. where, where, quite frankly, <laughs> like, a lot of people never do? thought we would be at this, uh, never yeah. thought we would be at this spot, at exactly. this place. Exactly. So you pushed it further, and it's, it's, you know, succeeded further, I think, than a lot of people expected. Exactly. And and that's a, to the credit to everyone involved. Lieutenant Rudolph, let me come back to the question of how do you know it's the right person to arrest? Because you guys don't, and, and I just don't want to clear this up, because the, the mentality on social media is like, oh, the cops just see me and I have a previous record, so that's why they're picking me up. Right. This is not, you have to have a reason. Right, so we actually had to build a case. So uh, we have a mountain of evidence uh, that will come out through uh, the court proceedings, and that was presented to the district attorney who we worked hand-in-hand -hand with, um, and the Queens DA presented that to a grand jury, and the grand jury voted to indict which means there were going to be, it was enough probable cause to be charged with murder and arrested and then proceed to trial. So this went to the grand jury. Correct. They're the ones that you guys present, the evidence was presented, Correct. testified, and then the grand jury said, okay, we're, we, wanna, we want them arrested, indicted for uh, second-degree murder. Correct. And then, so it wasn't a case of somebody calls you up and, hey, this is the guy that did it, let's check it out where he was that night, and you go and handcuff him right there. Yeah, so murder investigations, typically, it's more than, uh, you know, I know who did it. So we have to confirm that story. We have to uh, check out any alibis and, and try to get more than just a single witness statement in a homicide. So we'd have to get, you know, we talked about cell phone data, maybe, uh, you know, uh, verify stories. So it's, it's not as simple as, like, uh, the guy down the street, that guy robbed me. Go get him. It's a, it's a little bit, it's it's complex in murder investigations. What about the person who was the last person to see him alive? The the, the guy who goes by the name Yemen Cheese. Yeah. I interviewed him for Fox 5. Mm -hmm. um, he claimed that he had nothing to do with setting chinks up because that was one of the social media theories that was going around in the very, very beginning. Right. What did you find out about him? Well, obviously he was our first one we had to... Uh, and he was you wounded know, also. He was shot. Um, he had a non-fatal uh, gunshot wound to his uh, leg, I believe. Um, so he's somebody that we, you know, he was a suspect in the beginning, you could say that, but just because he was there. And at times his story was, uh, you know, uh, a little bit uh, hard to believe. Right. That something like this could happen there. And he didn't know anything about it. And he couldn't ID. And in the end, he, his story uh, had some uh, truth to it. Um, he didn't embellish. He, did, he couldn't ID the, uh, the shooter. And uh, we moved on once we cleared him. And the location that this happened was ideal for this type of a crime. Yeah. So it was construction set, uh, a construction site at that time. There was uh, Jersey barriers set up on both sides of the car. And when Chinks was Which stopped, are those barriers they use to narrow the lane down? Yeah, the okay. cement, typically cement uh, columns on, uh, you'll see on the side of it, uh, a highway. So when his car was stopped at the light, he was really trapped into his car. You couldn't even open up your car doors either side of the car. Wow. And he stopped at the light and he was trapped. It was an ambush. It was a perfect uh, place to commit this crime. And then Quincy allegedly came out of the car behind him. Correct. And goes right to the window. Correct. So it was, and that was also an indication that it's intentional? Oh, it was intentional. Yeah. It was, like I said before, this is a very sophisticated, well-planned-out murder. And in terms of the level of planning, mm -hmm. where would you rate this in terms of other, other murders that you've seen? Well, each one's different. It's hard to compare, but uh, with the, uh, the, the extra steps that, this, that these guys took to hunt chicks down, and I, and I say hunt because that's what they did. 
And if you ever watch somebody that, that uh, hunters out in the woods, this is what exactly he did. He planned on where he was going to be. They stalked him, and then they followed him all the way from Brooklyn to Queens. And then once he was free from his security team and alone, and he was trapped at that light, it was a perfect opportunity for the ambush. And, the, and, and that's where it happened. Yeah. So it's hard to compare hom each homicide investigation because everyone is always different. And Janelle, the... Um in terms of the in terms of the court case, when you're going to have to hear these, and I'm sorry for you to have to hear yeah. these details again. Your courage is, is is amazing, and it just shows your commitment to keeping this you know keeping this alive and keeping the pressure on for the truth and for and for justice to come. But when you hear these when you hear these kind of details, and it'll be worse in the in the courtroom. Oh, yeah. to, to are you ready for that? You have support um, personally. I do. I have a lot of support. Um, I have a lot of friends and family who come out on these court dates, and they're there for me to make sure that, you know, I'm just I stay sane and just know that I have people that's, um, you know, they're behind me, and also because they also want justice, you know, for for Chink. So, um, for me, I just feel like when I get in there, it, it's very emotional. It's very emotional. It's not a day that I've been to court that I don't cry my eyes out. But because the details are so disturbing, as you hear them now, it's just like to know that he was hunted like an animal um, and never given a chance to defend himself in any type of way. He never saw it coming. Um, and just to wonder, like, what was his last thoughts? What was his last, you know, words? How did he feel, like... And just know that he was helpless at that moment. It's just, it's a lot. It's hard to think about. Um, but, you know, I just prepare myself every time there's a court date to be there. I'm there on time. I, I make sure I don't miss one because I don't want to miss anything. And I just know that the bigger reward in the end is seeing this case put to rest. And again, that's, I mean, that's, that's unbelievable just to have that kind of strength. And you know you have a lot of support and a lot of people, you know, that, that come to court with you and that, and that are there. And that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So, I me, mean, when you hear that, what do you think? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a lot. And I think it just kind of speaks to um, Janelle and Chinks' family continuing his legacy. Um, you know, I, I remember when I interviewed him, one thing that stood out is he mentioned he wanted to be known for just being remembered as a good guy, like a good dude. And I think that was just very telling of just the type of person he was. And I think in these cases, it's so easy to focus on the artist or the rap star, but that's a real person who left behind a real family and friends. And I think for us, it's to kind of remember the bigger picture, right? As fans and as the industry, that these are real people and they left behind a very real family and real legacy. Um, you, you interviewed him, you sat down with yeah. him, spent a, a good amount of time with him. The, his a lot of people talk about his charisma. Did you notice that when you were talking to him? Because you've interviewed a lot of the biggest names in hip hop. What I really noticed, um, I've spoken to him a couple times, but specifically when I interviewed him for The Village Voice was he was just very honest and real. And he kind of just showed a level of, I think, vulnerability, which I thought was pretty unexpected. And we really kind of connected on that level. And I think he understood sort of he was on the precipice of something much bigger, but also just being able to 
you know, do right by his family and do right by his community, I think was important to him as well. So just, again, the idea that he wanted to be known as a good person and that being sort of the legacy he left behind was very telling. And make and leave the streets way behind. The streets were way behind at that time and everything. L- Lieutenant Rudolph, just uh, quickly because we're almost out of time. So the the next thing that happens is July July twelfth. There's uh, supposedly and again th- these court things dates can always move. Yeah. They're going to be hearing. They're going to be uh, there's going to be a hearing on the motions. Right. What does that mean? So uh, uh, essentially, the judge is going to review all of our evidence and uh, the dis- the uh, the defense. We'll try to uh, dispute some of it, and the judge will decide which evidence is going to be admitted to court and which is not. So these are called hearings. Hearings going to take a few months. Once that's all settled, then the judge will decide. Then they'll pick a trial date, and we'll start from. But there. this is this begins a very critical period. Yeah. So these are all uh, evidentiary hearings right now. What they're called, um, just to review everything. And they, like I said, the defense tries to get things thrown out, and um, and the district attorney fights to keep it in. And Janelle, you're going to keep up the uh, keep up the pressure throughout this. Yes, yes, definitely. All right. Well, you know we're going to stay on it. I know. <laughs> we're going to stay on it definitely. But um, I, I hope there's justice, and I hope there's some peace and some closure, you know, for for your family. And I want to thank all of you for being with us for thank this episode for of Street Soldiers. Somia, thanks for giving us a perspective. We appreciate it. Somia Krishna Murthy, Janelle, keep up the uh, keep up just a great example too. Thank you. you know, of just of being a woman handling it all. Thank it's amazing. You. We need, we need examples like that now. <laughs> thank, thank, you. thank you so much. And Lieutenant Rudolph, thank you to you and the team for, uh, you know, making the arrest, giving people hope that justice can be, uh, can be served in this particular case. So thank you very much for being with us. We thank appreciate you. it. appreciate that. All right, thank you. Uh, remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Let's push for peace.